Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Sugar-Coated Murder Podcast. A brilliant true crime podcast hosted by two zany sisters, all while baking up delicious treats in their kitchen. Here are your podcast hosts, Karen Devaney and Ann Varner. So great. It's I'm another so exciting night. I know. You know why? Because we live in a world of excitement. We do not. We do not. It's no. true. <laughs> There's nothing exciting about it. Because us. we have special guests. Yes, until we have guests. And yeah. that's the excitement. It's exciting. So yeah. We have Amanda and Josh Wilson, and they have a podcast called Super Familiar with the Wilsons. Well, how about that? Welcome, guys. Welcome, We're so Wilsons. happy to have y'all with us. We are happy to be here. Hi. Hi, Hi, y'all. Are you going to break out your southern accent tonight? Well, Maybe. bless your heart. Oh, <laughs> bless, bless yours heart. right back. Well, bless your heart right back. That's yeah. right. Can you guys tell us about your podcast, how you started podcasting, the fact that you're a married couple podcasting? I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And just tell us about you. I guess by that looking at me, that means I should tell you. Okay, so yes, we are um, Josh and Amanda from Super Familiar with the Wilsons. We have a variety show slash marriage slash family slash I'm not interview podcast. Um, We live in Gainesville, Florida, and we started podcasting during the pandemic. Like I think about 90% of the world did. And we've continued it and we made some really great friends like the two of you. So thanks for having us. Thank you so much. See people, we have friends. I think that we keep telling everybody. Your podcast reminds me of a therapy session on the set of a Merv Griffin show. Oh, so it's like a Mervy. A Mervy Turvy. A Mervy (laughs) Turvy. I just love the fact that that you've referenced Merv Griffin. How (laughs) old am I? I know. I mean, my God, I thought we were the same age. Oh no! I don't know that. I don't know how old you are. We're in our fifty bubble. So if you've not got a five in front of your number, <laughs> then you're not our friend. <laughs> I can't be your friend. I am. Oh. I am in the five bracket. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna annex you in, Amanda. <laughs> I mean, I'm close enough. So, like, I would, enough. I would reference like David Letterman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There was so, listen, I almost said Jackie Gleason. Oh, God. <laughs> and then I was like, no, I got to bring it forward. And then it was like, Merv Griffin. We actually Maybe want them to be on the podcast. <laughs> They're like, where are these two people? Are they in assistant living? No. 
passing from the old folks. <laughs> I hope to God you are. Like if someday. you're, if yeah, you're in trouble, just press your personal help button and let me go get your tech. Let me go get your aid. Yeah, they they will never let us be in in a mm-hmm. in any kind of a controlled setting mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. that will never be allowed like, oh, never. No. so we no. won't even be able to visit each other wherever we live no, no they're gonna they're gonna put you in that place with the special doors that lock <laughs> <laughs> and they'll have cameras on us at all times that's yeah. right that's right they're gonna load jack your asses <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we'll we'll welcome um Welcome. And just to let our audience know, we tried to do this uh, a couple weeks before, and we had a little bit of a failure. I would say it was just a flat out failure. I don't think it was a failure. It's just that it was successful in the wrong way. (laughs) That's true. It depends on what the agenda was. (laughs) So um, I'm going to let Amanda explain to us and everybody listening, because you know, there's just thousands. Amanda, what did you bake? (laughs) Well, I baked nothing this evening um, for the bottle of wine I brought with me because you're right. We did try to do this a couple weeks ago and you very generously let me pick out the recipe. I am trying to be very low carb and I'm a pre-diabetic and I'm trying to control my blood sugar. And so I picked out a pound cake that was keto and sent it to you and it had an option of almond or coconut flour. And I sent you the coconut because ironically in our house, our 15 year old is allergic to almonds. Mm. So in order to avoid an allergic reaction, I sent you the coconut flour recipe. I made it. (laughs) Josh had a little nibble and then, uh, immediately his tongue started swelling up and he started having this reaction. And then he thought, I'm going to be okay. Now Josh is allergic to pineapple and mango. Two of those okay. things not in this recipe. Yeah. And then it started getting worse and worse. And he came to me and said, I have to take two Benadryl. Can you please do the podcast? By <laughs> Man down. So I messaged you and found out it wasn't just Josh. No, it wasn't. <laughs> My God. No. I also had a little bit of a reaction. Um, Karen had gotten all the ingredients, but was in a work meeting. Uh oh, Trout is so upset. Trout, we're not we're not really dying, buddy. It's okay. Um, You're okay. She was in a work meeting and asked me if I could put together the recipe. So of course, yeah, I started putting together the recipe. Well, it turns out I also had a reaction to the coconut flour. I'm, I have a, I'm allergic to coconut, but I can drink pina coladas. So normally it's just like the raw coconut, but I've never tried anything with coconut flour. And I guess the flour up against my skin caused me to break out in a rash. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a hazmat situation. I'm get the dog and you guys can yeah, She actually on. had to get a shower. Yeah. And um, she had to take the trash all the way out to the dumpster because it was like dander in the air. It was awful. <gasps> So um, I came upstairs and she had wet hair and she had not had wet hair before. And I was like, did you get a shower? And she was like, sugar, something terrible has happened. (laughs) Amanda, Amanda has happened. (laughs) What happened? And she said, I'm allergic to the coconut flour. I've had a contact allergy reaction and I've had to get in the shower and scrub everything. I've had to put my clothes in the wash, like everything. And I said, 
sugar, we're going to have to give you a Benadryl and I'm going to hold you up by the back of the shirt because we are not going to dance on the Wilsons. <laughs> and then I hear from Amanda and she said, well, there's a problem. Josh is in bed. <laughs> And he won't be on. I was like, oh, well, no problem. Uh, you, we can cancel because Ann, Ann Garner is, um, she's in a hazmat suit right now. So, yeah. So, so murder cake. Be, yeah, murder cake is what I, I, think it, I think that this cake, because she had put, um, what'd you put over it? It was lovely. It was lovely pound cake, but there was also was a frosting. Minute, right? It was a glaze. No, that, you did the frost. You did the glaze. I didn't do the glaze. Okay. okay. But I think that with the glaze, this recipe can appropriately be called a sugar-coated murder. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You're so right. We, need to, we definitely and need that's to why we did it. That's right. Uh, yeah, we were being on Thank you. It was all about us. It turns out <laughs> right. it was all about us. That's perfect. Thanks, guys. So, yeah, so I, I, I sent you the recipe that, that really tried very hard to kill off two of the co-hosts. So yes. now and I are going to get our own yeah, show. We're going to get our own show. We're tired of sharing the spotlight. You didn't taste the cake. Oh, I, I tasted the cake. I ate some of the cake. The cake was lovely. Yeah. It tastes cake was lovely. Our, our five-year-old and I ate it. And, and yeah. actually, our 15-year-old, who's allergic to almonds, ate it and liked it, but then kind of freaked out because of what happened to Josh. Just, uh, yeah. She was there. like, mm, 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 mm. You know, she saw it. Uh, is it still in the fridge? No. Because it was until very recently. Like ha- half of it. I, we ate half of it. The five-year-old and I ate half of it, and I threw the rest away. But I thought, I mean, for it was a, a lovely recipe. carb, like, yeah. low index yes. thing, I thought it was perfectly fine, mm-hmm. except for when it tried to kill Ann and Josh. I mean, it's just that little thing. That's like a little footnote at the end. Just like, little, may like, kill off co-host. That's it. That's a little murdery. I mean, well, you know what? I think fans, we're right. good. They're a little bit delicate. It's fine. It's I okay. mean, it's buttery. It's murdery. It's, you know. It's, <laughs> it's got a nice glaze. Gorgeous little glaze on it. A little so. sugar-coated murder. So, so I have a picture that I took of the cake okay. that's got a big old knife um, stuck through it. So I will post that so people know it is the murder cake, <laughs> but um, it was delightful. And if people want the recipe, if you don't have a coconut allergy, or if you want to use the almond or whatever you want to do, just email us and we will share the recipe gladly. Yeah. Cause it has to be gluten-free, right? It is. It's, yeah. It is. Uh, yeah, it's it is. It's gluten-free. Yeah. It's um, sugar-free. sugar-free. So it's a really low glycemic impact. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's not fat free, but fat's not bad for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sour cream and butter and and really lovely if you're not allergic to these things. But do it not ask for this recipe. It was very easy to make. Mm-hmm. But do not ask for this recipe if you're trying to harm other people because we will not be. We, will, we not. can't tolerate yeah. that. No. We we're that. trying to. Yeah. We're trying to get famous and we don't want to be famous for that. No. No, that wrong, is infamous. Wrong that's famous. Not, yeah, that's no. right. That's infamous. And our mama would not approve. Mm. They're, they're not she would be very disappointed. Quite disappointed in her yeah. girls. So tonight, the Wilsons are here not just to talk about murder cake. Duh. They're also here to talk about a really interesting murder case that happened in the town that they're from. That they're <gasps> nice. Nice. Which is, like Amanda said, Gainesville, Florida, which I've never been to, but I hope to go one day. I'm going to talk about the victims in this case, because we like to highlight the victims. Mm-hmm. So I looked up as much information as I could. This happened in August of 1990. So not easy to find a lot of information. I was able to find some articles and I did read a lot of obituaries, which is where I find out a lot about the victims that we talk about. 
So the first two victims that I'm going to talk about are Sonia Jane Larson and Christina Powell. They were roommates and they were both 17 years old. 17. 17. Lordy B. I think her name is Sonia, but it could be Sonia because I'm not good at pronunciation. So I'm sorry for her family if they're hearing this and I'm massacring the name, but that's who I am. So she was born January 1st, 1972, and she was from Deerfield Beach, Florida. She was attending college at the University of Florida in pursuit of a degree that would able would enable her to work with children during summers. No, <laughs> work with children, period. <laughs> during summers in high school, she worked for the First Baptist Church in Pompano Beach, Florida as a full-time um, daycare aide. She was known to be great with the kids. She was very active in her church. She sang in the choir. She graduated from Eli High School in June of 1990. She was an honor student. She was very bright and involved in her school and community. She was a member of the Mathematics Society of her school. So oh, wow. I was never invited to No, that. very smart. Very yeah. smart. She was shy and she was artistic. And she was never afraid to show affection. Just a sweet, sweet girl. Her roommate, Christina Powell, also known as Christy. She was born 30 November 1972, and she was from Jacksonville, Florida. She was known for always being positive. She had a brother named Michael Raymond Powell and a father named Frank Powell. And I just didn't find a lot about her because they didn't post like a full obituary on her. That was really all that was said. So I wish I, I wish I could tell you more about um, Christy, but she was a good girl and she was 17. She was just starting her life. School had just started. Yes. I mean, like they were maybe a weekend, not very far at all. Yeah. When you're in college. Yeah. Yes. Cause this happened on the 24th. I think they had gone back like the week or 10 days before. So I'm also going to talk to you about Krista Lee Hoyt. And she was born November 20th, 1971. And she was from Miami. And her parents were Ruth and Teresa Ann. And I, I don't know anything else about Crystal Lee Hoyt, but maybe somebody does and they can email us. So I'm also going to talk to you about <laughs> Manuel Ricardo Taboda, also known as Manny. He was born September 14th, 1966, and he was from Miami. His parents were Gladys and Manuel Mario Taboda. He had at least one brother, and this guy was a smarty pants. He was very smart. He was in the National Honor Society. He was athletic and very talented. He got the male lead in Greece in high school. Mm. Not like me, who was just a backup singer in She's at Sea. Oh, I well, did have a speaking I, part in that, but then it was like very short lived and I was in the back. I, so Manny wanted to be an architect, but due to finances, that was taking a while. So he worked nights as a bartender while he attended Santa Fe Community College part time. But he had finally gotten accepted to University of Florida College of Architecture. He was very happy he was going to start attending. Unfortunately, his dad died when he was young. He had many, many friends because he had such an outgoing personality and he never met a stranger. Next I didn't realize up. that there was males that were, yeah, there was one, one male. Mm -hmm. How about that? Yeah. So I'm going to tell you about Tracy Inez Pauls and she was born October 4th, 1966. And I don't really know a whole lot about her. 
unfortunately. There's not a lot I can really tell you about. And so Anne has disappeared, but don't worry. She's hmm. on the floor with trout. I'm still here. I'm still here. It just requires <laughs> me to on hear the floor. Her. <laughs> going to hear her, but yeah. you will not see her because this is how we roll. I literally feel that I'm just in your house right now. And we're out. we all have just a little bit to, to drink. And yeah. absolutely, we're going to have to end up sleeping on the couch. <laughs> I tell you that this right here in this area, this does not necessarily take alcohol to happen. <laughs> it just takes alcohol to cope with it. Yes, it's the alcohol that, we drink to cope. But there's like, it's, I'm going to have a spot of coffee. Because the so, dog will, I will sit on the floor and then the dog will literally yeah, as soon as ignore me. Down, he walks into the kitchen. <laughs> he's he just like, I just don't want you to be higher than me. You know, I'm on a podcasting. Mm-hmm. He's, he is a control freak and he wins all 14 pounds of me every time. Every time. Yeah. So I've gone Were over you? the victims. I'm sorry. Okay. No, I heard Manny. Who was the last one? Um, Tracy. 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 Yeah. Yes. I've gone over the victims. So now we're going to start getting into the case. And just go back to the very beginning again, because I don't remember you actually saying what the name of the case was. I'm not telling you yet. Well, bam. (laughs) The hell kind of podcast is How am I supposed to create suspense when I'm going to tell you everything up front? (laughs) No, girl. All right. You go. You do you. I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. Mm -hmm. So just uh, something on those names. Those names are on uh, a wall. Here in town, it's the 34th Street Wall, and it's a wall that it runs alongside the street, and people can graffiti whatever they want on it. So uh, oh. every week, someone goes, and they will, like, you know, ha- put a happy birthday message, or they will put, like, you know, whatever, political messages sometimes, except for two sections, which um, are always kept the same. And if someone doesn't know that unspoken rule, and they they deface it, then it's immediately it's immediately restored. That is a tribute to Tom Petty, who was a Gainesville Gainesville boy, mm-hmm. and um, the names of of these victims. Oh wow! They will always that? be on that wall. It's been there since um, well, since ninety actually, because one of so I'm sure we'll get into the case, but the um, Sadie Darnell, who was sheriff, but at the time was working for. Um, I don't know. You probably have it. The in some capacity helped to paint the wall in memory of the victims, and so it's been thirty. Right? It's been thirty-two years. Yeah. And the wall. I mean, it gets there is. It's kind of like been passed down, and now a fraternity has it, and it's the fraternity. Yeah. Fraternity upkeeps it, but yeah, it's that's um, amazing. Awesome. I love that. We'll have to look up and pictures it, of that wall. Oh yeah. Well, I tried to send you one earlier today. I'll send it to you, and yeah. uh, you can post it on your socials. And it says, "We will always remember," and it has their their five names, and then it says 1990, and then across. So it's a it's a big um, road. So okay. three lanes and three lanes, and then a median. And then the walls over here. And then the median, there are five palm trees planted for one oh. for the victims. Oh, that's so nice. And then you sent me a picture of a um a bench. Plaque, a bench with a plaque on it for Krista Hoyt, right? Right. So I was at the I was at a park that we go, we've I've only been to with the kids one other time, but it has a big dog park. Mm-hmm. And the kids and I were walking. Oh yeah, there's the wall. Oh, there's the wall. That's nice. Sugar. You'll have to see that one. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> can you, uh, can you um, send that to yep. me either through email or social media? Oh, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I love it. 
Oh, it says forever in our hearts. It used to say we will always, I just remember. Um, Yeah. And I just happened to, I went to go sit on a bench at this park and it was um, dedicated to her. So there, I mean, there are things like that all over town, but yeah. I love that, that they still, after 32 years, they're still keeping up the memories of the victims. That is wonderful. I cannot tell you how refreshing that is because that is, it's rare. It it is rare. All right, let's get into it. We're going to get into this. I'm going to tell you about a dude named Daniel Rawlings. Rawlings? Rawlings. So I'm, I'm confused because intentionally they pronounced his name wrong when the case oh. started. I was reading an article that quoted this woman, Sadie Darnell, and she intentionally pronounced his name wrong because one of the things he wanted was fame. Yes, he did. He wanted, and so she intentionally said his name wrong. And I don't know. Like I've heard rolling and I've heard rolling and I don't know which is the right one. Oh my gosh. I love it. Well, you know what we're going to call him? Well, I was going to say dickhead, but that's going to be a lot of editing. Mm. Yeah. So we're just going to call him Dan me. Dan, Mm -hmm. Dan, Dan. (laughs) Is that his first name? Dan Daniel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll call him Danner. Or. Oh, yeah. So he went to Gainesville right before the fall semester of 1990 started. And he was actually living in a tent in the woods near campus. So he just went to the town? Just went to the town. For no reason in particular. Not really. He was traveling. Was I, like I, a, I would he say was, he was like a vagabond. A rumor. Mm-hmm. A, a nomad of sorts. A nomad. Mm-hmm. And he had been down south of here. And mm-hmm. came and and had he was also like a petty criminal. He did a lot of like theft and stuff. And so then he he came back this way. I don't know what made him stop here, but yeah. He also was in Louisiana, if I'm not mistaken. But that I could be thinking of a whole. No, that's different. correct. He was in Shreveport. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much because I had another guy that I thought was in Louisiana, but this is him. There are so many murderers that take up space in my head. It's not okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he was living in a tent in the woods near the campus. So already he's got nefarious thoughts because why does he need to be near college campus? Right. He actually followed Sonia and Christy, the first two victims I talked about, the 17-year-olds. He followed them to their off-campus apartment on the 24th. And um, when the girls were asleep, he broke in to the apartment. Mm. And y'all jump in anytime. If you've got something to add, don't let me take over this podcast. Do you it's know, your podcast. Do you know what apartments it was? Um, they were all along Archer Road, which mm-hmm. is right out there. And um, the other thing that they all had in common is they all had sliding glass doors. So he yes. got in through all the sliding glass doors. He did. And they were all first floor. They were all first floor. Yeah. So, and and I will tell you that I remember when this was happening and I was living in Virginia beach, I was in Virginia beach. And, Mm -hmm. but I remember we lived on the second floor, but this was in the news a lot. Mm -hmm. And, and they talked about how this guy was getting into the side glass doors. And that's when we started learning about putting the dowels in the Mm -hmm. door. Mm -hmm. And that's when this all started, when this case was going on, because um, we were, thinking of ways to stay safe. I, we didn't have sliding glass doors, but I can remember, um, I can remember our dad, I think, telling me about, 
you know, if you ever have a sliding glass door, you need to put a dowel in it. Right. Um, <clears throat> even So, Amanda, you lived in that area at the time? I didn't. So when this happened, um, so I was I was a sophomore in high school mm-hmm. when this happened. And but at the time I was my English teacher and my high school principal were married and they oh. had two they had two daughters who were in college at UF. Okay. And so I was hearing like they would come to school. I mean, my especially my English teacher, because she was a mom and she was nervous, so she'd talk oh, about imagine. it. Yes. And in UF suspended classes because it was yeah. a, a period of time where I mean it seemed I think it was a relatively short period of time but in the the mythology of it that's kind of built up around it seems much longer but when you're living in terror it, I mean it can it's you know seem oh. like um a long time so UF had suspended classes and they said if you want to go home go home there's no um you know there's no penalty and my principal and English teacher's daughters didn't come home. They didn't want to. And right. I can't, like, I would have been the first person on the interstate by. <laughs> I would have gone. But also me my, too. My mama wouldn't have let me. Like, I mean, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm from a town that's two hours south. So okay. two hours is not a long drive. My mm-hmm. mama would have been up here and you're in the car and it doesn't. And I'm, I mean, no I questions asked. Yeah. Too. I don't yeah. care if you live 24 hours away, I'm coming to get you. Yeah. So, um, so I was aware of it as it was happening firsthand because of because of you know the the people at my school whose children were here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't, but then so this happened in ninety, and then I moved to Gainesville in ninety four. Mm-hmm. So it was still very much in everyone's consciousness. And I was I lived in a new construction apartment, and there were panic buttons in every bedroom. Oh wow. So Right by your bed, there was a panic button. Um, everything had alarms. So anything built like post these murders, there are security systems that were very different than what what it was. And these apartments that the, everyone lived in, they were older apartments. Right. Not that not that that's and there's anything wrong with that. Um, there are also signs on campus now that will say, um, like like uh, wooded areas, and there's paths through them, but it will say. Basically, to the extent of, you know, walking this at night could be hazardous to your health. <laughs> like, it's oh, okay. oh, no. for that. Yeah. But like, we Sorry. do have a lot of signage and there are public woods too, like near parks and stuff that caution people. Oh, that's from good. That's really night. good. We need that it, all over the United States. Yes, I agree. So it's definitely left its print on this town. Can we talk about this principal that married this teacher? I feel like that's breaking some sort of <laughs> HR rules. What is that all about? that they were together before he became principal, but anyway. Oh, so he got her the job then. I see oh, that. Oh no. no, I have a feeling they he she was a teacher and he was in administration, and then he got the job as principal, and she just kept stayed on as a teacher. Oh, yeah, but, but I mean it happens. You're getting distracted. I, it's okay. I'm just, yeah, I'm no, addressing, no, no. Listen, the people this, listening this to the podcast, they want to know. They, they they are curious people. They want to know. You said principal, teacher, married. They're like, is something happening in the staff room? You know, <laughs> you want to know what's going to make you feel really bad. This man was an incredible, incredible person who had made a very big impact on my choice to go into education. And I wish that I could go thank him, but I cannot because right after I graduated from high school, he was leading the band onto the football field and had a heart attack and died. Oh. On the Oh, now Josh is talking about the dead. Oh, your first oh, buddy. No. Sorry. Wow. Isn't that awful? 
terrible, terrible silence here. Terrible. Did he have your cake? You were a jackass. Oh, (laughs) yeah. That's the murder cake. cake. Oh, Josh asked me if I gave him the murder cake. Oh, Josh. I expelled, buddy. (laughs) Oh, God. All right, let's move along. Yeah. So after this, we'll stay back. Josh will leave and we'll have a little therapy session. We are in no position to give anybody any kind of therapy. We're not licensed therapists. (laughs) God, do not listen to what we have to say. Says Anne from the floor. The the (laughs) disempowered voice. My sister's fine. She just needs to be on the floor right now. She's a disembodied voice. It's fun. It's what we have here in Charleston. Lots of spooky things happen. Do you you release this video or is this just so we can see each other? Because like just just the picture right now. Just you and then nothing but a disembodied like blankness. <laughs> yeah. This is my Brilliant. sister right here. <laughs> I know. And I'm sorry that it's just me. There's no distraction from this. Oh, God. So, we love you. This is all I'm going to see when we're doing our podcast here. So it's fine. I love it. Oh, <laughs> okay. So. So that was a really long answer to you, Anne, that I did not live here when the murders happened, but I moved here shortly after. Okay. okay. Well, that's great. I like the story. I love the. The detail that we wouldn't find in the media. I love it. Yeah, I, I do love too. The detail. Okay. So he breaks into the apartment and the girls are asleep. Mm-hmm. He sees Christy sleeping on a couch. She was sleeping on the couch out in the whatever room. Right. I don't know why, but she was. And it was a two floor apartment. Okay. He went upstairs and found Sonia sleeping in her bed. Okay. And he, as she was asleep, he duct taped her mouth. That is so mean. It's rude because that shit hurts when it comes off. That's just mean. And he duct taped her hands and he stabbed her to death. (gasps) Wow. Yeah. And you think, wow, why did he pass Christy and go stab this girl? It's so weird. So then he goes downstairs and while Christy was asleep, he started attacking her. Oh, gosh. He brutally raped her. Brutally raped her. And then he turned her over on her stomach and stabbed her to death in her back. What? I think it ruptured her aorta is what I had read. But it, it went through her back mercy. into her heart. Like it was, it was a different victim. Okay. Yeah, that was different. Okay. Well, he stabbed her to death through her back. Wow. So on August 26th, Christie's parents actually call the police and say, um, Christy isn't answering her phone and she's not answering her door. They had made plans to come over mm-hmm. and see her oh that weekend God. and they, they show came up. For they, they came, came for lunch, lunch yeah. and they show up and they're knocking on the door. There's no answer. They're calling. There's no answer. Oh, no. So they're like, I think we need to call the police and find out what's coming on. What's coming. What's going on. Not coming on. That's TV. <laughs> Sorry. So I just want to point out that there was a third roommate. Mm-hmm. And she was out of town at the time. Mm-hmm. But you unfortunately, I know she arrived home as the police were gathered in the parking lot apartment. Oh, in the wow. Apartment parking lots in the parking lot apartments. God, where is my oh, brain? What's happening? You need to have another sip of yes. belly. So um, they had gone in and discovered both girls severely mutivated. The mutivated. Mutivated. Oh, my God. Oh, no. I create my own language. It's fine. Mutivated. It's going to be fine. They were mutivated. mutilated. So, um. Okay, when you say they, the police went in. The police went yeah. in. Okay. Yeah. Yep. 
the police it went didn't in. Turn, like the parents loose in the house or anything. So the parents no. and the roommate are in the parking lot and the police have gone in to check. Yes. Okay. And um, so then officer Ray Barber was one of the first officers on the scene. And he was part of the team that entered and discovered the bodies. Mm-hmm. And this really shocked him especially the age of the girls oh, yeah. the, and the really had a hard time. And then the sexual mutilation of the bodies was oh, disturbing. Right. So um, they then went out to the parking lot and delivered the news to the parents and the roommate about what had happened to the girls. And the roommate actually fainted from shock. Oh no. She just passed right out when they told her. Um, that's another one of those stories about how she dodged being murdered just yeah fate um so imagine the survivor's guilt too like i mean oh, you're, I, great. you're glad that you, it, it happened to you but you feel so guilty that yeah so guilty like if i had been there could you know mm-hmm. would he have not followed the three of us home or could i have intervened or anything like there's a million things that go through your brain mm-hmm. so um uh, it was just it was so tragic so all right so i talked to you about officer ray barber and then that same night, Ray's wife, Gail, she um, reported for the night shift. She was also a police officer. Oh, she reported for the night shift. And shortly into her shift, she and her partner got a call to go check on a Christy Hoyt at her apartment. So they knew Chris, Krista. I hope I didn't say Christy. It's Krista. So Gail knew Krista because Krista had been working for the police dispatch at the time. Oh. And she had not shown up for her shift. Oh, no. So they radio Gail and said, hey, can you go check on Krista? She didn't show up and she's not answering her phone. So at this point, Gail has no idea what her husband has gone through. Right. He, he She doesn't know. So she goes in and she goes over to Krista's apartment and they knock on the door and there's no answer. They, she felt like, well, maybe she just left and we missed her and she, you know, she was just running late. But then they saw the car in the apartment complex parking lot. Oh, Krista's car? Yes. Oh, and then God. she was just like filled with dread. Like, oh my gosh, she's probably here. So the manager of the apartments hears these two police officers talking. Mm-hmm. And he, I think, lived across the hall from Krista. Mm-hmm. And so he comes out. And he's like, what are y'all doing here? Right. And so um, all three of them went around the back of the apartments. And the manager noticed right away that there was a back gate Mm -hmm. and it had been damaged. And there was a chain link fence and part of it had been knocked down. And he said that that was not there before. Oh, no. The police officer said, go out front and wait for us. And they tried to get into the sliding glass door and it was locked from the inside. So like, okay, we can't get in, but there was a bamboo shade mm-hmm. in front of the sliding glass door, but it didn't go all the way down to the floor. Uh-huh. One of the officers crouched down to just try to look through the gap to see what he could find. Well, this is what they found. Krista was sitting on her bed naked, except for her socks and her shoes. She was kind of bent forward at the waist and there was a pool of blood. And then they noticed that Krista did not have a head. <gasps> No way. They could hear water running and thought maybe the killer was still inside. So they called for backup. Oh my gosh. They surrounded the building. They can't go in until their backup comes. Of course not. Right. An hour after the first two officers arrived, 
the police were finally able to enter the apartment and they could hear the shower dripping at that point. The shower floor had blood stains on it. There was no killer in the bathroom. They, they went, they're, they're clearing the apartment. They go in, they hear it, they see the blood, they clear it. There's nobody in there. As they come out of the bathroom, they come face to face with Christie's head <gasps> propped up on the bookshelf. No. Oh, sugar, you're going to have to stay here tonight. And it's my understanding because I, I read the um, I read the true crime novel of this. So I don't know yeah. how much was like novelization. Sure. But it's my understanding that he put mirrors behind her head to um, so that it amplified the shock when you. Oh, saw my God. I didn't read that in the police report or a murderpedia, but a lot of times they leave that kind of stuff out. So it could very well be true. And this sick guy, I, I mean, honestly, I, didn't, I don't put anything past him. They finally had to clear the whole apartment. And once they knew there was no killer, they went in the bedroom and discovered the headless body of Krista. She had been sliced open from her chest to her pubic bone. Mm. And her two nipples were laying on the bed beside her. Yep. I mean, he had just mutilated this girl. She was 18 years old and had been attending Santa Fe Community College. Due to the mutilations of the body, they felt like they had, by now, they've heard about this other mm-hmm. apartment complex that had the two girls in it. And because of the mutilations, they said, well, you know what? We think these might be connected. So they get together a task force and they poured a lot of money into this task force. They did not, there were no resources spared. They, were, they really poured a lot into it. That was August 24th into the 25th. Okay. So the first was on the 20th? The first one was on the 24th. The first one was the 24th. So this was less than 24 hours later. Yes. Less than 24 hours later. So it's like the night of the 24th is when they discover those bodies. And then it's kind of morning of the 25th Mm -hmm. when they discover the other body. Because remember, um, she had not shown up for her midnight shift. Right. Right. So it's like, Wee hours, the wee hours of the morning, because I'm Scottish. August 28th, two more bodies are found. What? Yeah. This is Tracy Paul's. Is that how you say her name? I think it's Paulus, but I'm not sure. Paulus. It makes sense because it's Paul with an ES at the end, but I'm horrible with names because I'm just a stupid country girl. And then Manny Taboda, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Both of them were 23. They shared a ground floor apartment. Manny was 6'3 and 200 pounds. What? Quite the athlete. Remember, I told you he was very athletic. When Tracy decided to become roommates with him, her parents felt like she was very safe because of this. That's why they didn't have a lot of heartburn about her going into a ground floor apartment. Right. And they were just roommates. They were not romantically involved. They were roommates and just they had become really good friends. So at about seven o'clock in the morning, one of Manny's friends went over to their apartment because another friend of his was out of town and he could not reach them. Nobody would answer in the apartment. He had prearranged, the out-of-town guy prearranged for the in-town guy to go over there and meet the maintenance man and be let into the apartment. The maintenance man meets him and they knock, 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 and there's no answer. So the maintenance man opens it with the key and looks inside going to regret that for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what they saw. Tracy's naked, bloodied body was laying in the hallway between the two bedrooms. On the floor near her head was a black bag. Mm. And as soon as they saw that, they backed right out, locked the door, and went to call the police. 
Good thinking. Yes. And the police arrive and they get to the door and they notice doors unlocked. No. When they walk in, no black bag. (gasps) No. They probably had interrupted the killer because there was no mutilation to the bodies. Oh my God. So the killer was probably in there when they opened the door. Manny was found in his bed. His body showed that there were, had been quite a struggle and he had probably been attacked in his sleep mm. and then woke up, but he fought, he fought really hard. Tracy had been raped and stabbed. So now they know they've got a serial rapist and killer and this is serious. Oh and the media, gosh, I coins, cannot imagine what the police must've been I know. like, Oh Jesus. And the police coin the killer as the Gainesville Ripper. That's the name of the case. Finally. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's a ripoff. Yeah, ripoff. We got a rip on the states. One of the things about Manny is that he was such a big guy. And that's one of the things that I understand anecdotally. There were a lot of, a lot of people were like huddling together, staying together. A lot of guys were going over and staying with yeah. girls who were friends. And I think the thought is that because he got Manny in his sleep, he was able to overcome him. But had right. he encountered him, just, sure. you yes. know, he would, yeah. So. But he was, Roland uh, was also like a big guy. He's like 6'2 or 6'3. And he, he was, was big. He was a big guy as yeah. well. And yeah. he in the military. That's true. He on, do we know, was he hopped up on anything? Not that I know of, but yeah. never mentioned him being on any type of substances Mm -hmm. so i think his substance was raping and murdering and mutilating people wow the campus was shut down for two weeks Mm -hmm. canceled classes some students left some stayed some students never returned back it was too traumatic too scary and they never went back i wouldn't have i don't think i could have either no i I remember when this happened and and thinking some of them that stayed, I kept thinking, why would they stay? Mm-hmm. Like, why would you stay? Because they're college Again, students. I would have been the first one on the interstate. Bye. Right. So 700 students didn't come back. Really? That's a big number. That's a, that's a really that big number. A big I mean, number. Wow. UF is a, is a huge school, but sure. still. That's a I lot, mean, though. It's 53,000 students now during a, a, an academic year. Then it was probably thirty-five. Mm-hmm. I just think 700 living. still, it's still a really feel big it. number. You would feel that yeah. number. I'm actually shocked it wasn't more. But, you know, you think about seniors and juniors that are already there and they're invested in their college career. So they're going to return, most of them. Eventually, they do arrest a suspect and they hold him during the investigation. And then there's a bank robbery, hmm. just this random bank robbery. And after the bank robbery, the police follow some leads and they, they're looking around for bank, a bank robber, right? And they find a campsite in these woods uh-huh. and they find a bag of the stolen money from the bank. Huh. They're like, oh, I think we, we got, but the guy was not there. The guy had gotten away. Then there was a local home that was burglarized and a car was stolen. And the Winn-Dixie in Ocala was robbed. So at this point, at this point, there's there's no description of who this guy might be. They have no clue. Male, female, nothing. 
They have no clue. So they have. they're just now they're chasing bank robbers. But they have some. But they had a suspect. They had a suspect. Oh right, but they did and have so a suspect. They're carrying on. They're assuming that their guy is in right jail. And now they got a dude robbing banks who they and think now is we're not like, well, we've got this task force mm-hmm. working on this, but then we got some bank robberies and some like the Ocala when Dixie right. was robbed. Maybe he of, got some chicken, fried chicken. Listen, they have good fried chicken. Do they? Yeah, they do. I did not know that. They have good. See, I'm partial to Publix fried chicken. I also really like Publix fried chicken. Let me try something about Publix fried chicken. Oh no, no, no! Be careful. What are you about to say? Oh, oh no! Publix. I shop there all the time. No, no, it's nothing gross. It's not gross. It's just a Karenism. It's, it's a excuse me. <laughs> a Karenism. Hello. It's too much chicken in her chicken. She doesn't like a real thick have, piece of chicken. Well, Amanda almost spit out her lot. <laughs> because you want the skin and the batter and the crunchy, right? I just don't want this big hunk of meat in my mouth at one time. There has to be a ratio, and their ratios are all off, like completely bonkers. They don't have good ratios. I just wish they would hire me for one 30-day period so that I could make them understand. I got to get better ratios. I think it tastes delicious. I love the seasoning that they use. I love it, but that's too much chicken in my mouth at one time. Too much chicken in my chicken. Don't like it. So, so here, but here's, here's the wisdom in that. So Karen is intuiting. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even know subconscious that these chickens that they have, they pump them full of hormones. They pump them full of chemicals. They fatten them up unnaturally. Yeah. The too much it's- chicken in your chicken. It's yeah. unnatural. That's my thing. And it, the she ratios wants a scrawny are, ass, like I want a scrawny ass little yeah. hen. Freaking has, like, you know, yeah. coyotes chasing this hen. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, like runner. A, yeah. Like a fit little hen that's just been running around that yard. And, and like, that's what they have at Winn-Dixie. They have yes, the, they use the smaller and they even sell the smaller chickens. They don't sell these big, like Arnold Schwarzenegger size chickens. They don't do it. They sell a small chicken. She's also got a thing about potatoes. There's too much potato in her potato. Like when you have a French fry, which by the way is my absolute favorite food, but I don't like a lot of potato in my French no, fry. No, no, no. I like the, the, like the thin, thin, like crispy. I like a, fry. I like a crinkle. I like a, but don't give me a big steak fry. Like a steak a fry, pot- those are gross. Nobody a wants potato wedge. And I don't like mashed Nobody potatoes potato because wedges. too many potatoes in those potatoes. I, I enjoy a mashed potato. I also enjoy a potato wedge. I love a I love a potato skin. That's the ratio. That's the ratio. That's the perfect <laughs> ratio. What is wrong with people? Have we so, just lost our minds and we don't know so ratios anymore? Here's, here's the thing. So Fridays is where I was introduced to potato skins, right? Yeah. yeah. And they were delicious because they, they just put a shit ton of cheese on them and bacon and blah, I loved mm. it. Then, then, you know, as usually happens as restaurants, their food goes to shit because, you know, they have you hooked and then they're trying to cut costs in this. Didn't go to Fridays for the longest time. Went back to Fridays last year. And now they do these twice fried potato skins that are God's gift to the planet. They are so twice good. Fried? They, yes. Oh, oh my God. God. They're so good. Wow. Oh, they're so good. I have no idea. Because I they're tiny, though. they're tiny. They're tiny potatoes. Okay. I like that. <laughs> but I will say, I, I even like the box of the frozen Fridays. Potato mm-hmm. skins you can get in in any 
grocery store in the frozen section because they have the ratio down pat. I just don't know where we went wrong with the ratios. You're the wrong. You're the wrong. I'm not the wrong. You're the wrong. You're the wrong. I'm the right. I'm the right. I'm the right. I'm the right. I'm the plump chicken. I'm the right. I don't have a problem with the plump chicken. I do. It's unnatural. It's you're unnatural. Meat in my mouth at once. Well, then don't take a smaller bite. No, it's what chicken. Get it's a popcorn chicken. What's that? That's too much fried stuff. Oh, my God. the chicken. Just stay away from the chicken, sugar. I'm going to have to. I'm like, step away from the chicken. I'm going to step away. I have stepped away from the Publix chicken, and that's why. <laughs> and it makes me sad. It saddens me very deeply. <laughs> There's people listening to this podcast right now yelling at me to make the too much c- in your mouth joke. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, Mama, turn it off. There are our listeners, turn it or are they your listeners? I don't think there are listeners at all. But um, if you need to tell that, you just go right ahead and tell that. And um, you're going to need to say sorry, Mama, before and after. I would never say anything like that. On this podcast, because I think you would say it. <laughs> yeah, whatever works. Whatever gets me out of trouble with Mama. <laughs> oh, you don't want to be in trouble with her. She is. She will shake that finger at you. Welcome back to the Joe Tutorial. Whoa, you Matt, this isn't an episode. It's a trailer. Well, what the hell's a trailer, Adam? It's where we tell people what they can expect from our podcast, Decaying with the Boys. Well, they can uh, expect to hear us talk shop on pro wrestling, craft beer, horror movies, and pop culture, like Britney Spears' creepy father and stuff like that. We've literally never talked about Britney. But we do take our shots at everything else she said. Well, then uh, I guess I can also tell them they can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Anchor FM. And don't forget to find us on all social media at KNWTV. Cheers. Hello, people. My name is Andres, and this is the Latin Jukebox, because music is a lovely universal language. My name is Andres, and in my podcast, we go through music through new songs in Spanish and in English, and we go through different topics about all the things that music has in common. So follow me at Rocola del Rolo in Twitter at LatinJukebox underscore on Instagram. And follow me, I would be really glad to meet you. Gracias, parceros. Check it out. This is Josh Scar from Talking Smack. You're listening to Karen and Anne on Sugar-Coated Murders. Hopefully they're not talking about you. Okay. There's a high-speed chase after the Winn-Dixie gets robbed of all the fried chicken. He mm-hmm. really stole the fried chicken? Sugar, I don't know. But if I went to the <laughs> oh, Winn-Dixie to steal the chicken to rob it, I would get the fried chicken first. And the one in Lake Gaston has a hot dog bar. So I might even take care of that, <laughs> too. Clear that out. Bar. I thought it was a piggly wing. I mean, we can talk about weenies if we want, but I didn't think we wanted to go there. (laughs) I didn't. I didn't want to, but I'm saying they have a hot dog bar. I thought that was the piggly wiggly. Oh, shit. It's not a Winn-Dixie. Not the Winn-Dixie. The Winn-Dixie does have the good fried chicken, though, because I used to go there a lot um, when I was in college in Raleigh. (laughs) North Carolina. So having some sort of a flashback. I I don't know. I've had a flashback. I had one. Was, I've had a bad trip. Did you take the transit? <laughs> it was a chicken trip. <laughs> I had a bad. No, I had a bad hot dog trip. I think. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I'm going to try to get back on track right now. Please. It's not going to be easy. So there's a high speed chase 
and they take a man named Danny Rolling Rolling. We're going to call him Danner into custody for this bank robbery. Okay. When he's in jail, he becomes a chatty Cathy. He's quite boastful to the point that it is actually unnerving some of the prisoners, like some of the people in custody around him. Lordy B. Unnerving. He actually sought out another inmate and told him that he was in jail earlier in his life and decided that when he got out, he was going to kill one person for each year they had kept him there. Oh, no. He had been there for eight years. Oh, Lord. So that's what he was. That was the goal. In Gainesville to do was to kill these eight people. It didn't have anything to do with Gainesville, but it had everything to do with a number. And I think he was in proximity and, you know, just thought college campus, college apartments, this will be easy. Mm. So that's, that's what he was heading to. Previously to that, Ted Bundy, and there's something where it's it said that he wanted to be famous like Ted Bundy. Ted yeah. Bundy had attacked at Florida State, which is a yes. university about two hours from here. So I don't know. I've not read anything saying that's a connection, but that was a famous college campus that's murder. True. So. Wow. That's very true. But Bundy also attacked in other states. Yes. yes. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Uh, it didn't say anything, but again, it, that could be completely true. Yeah. He actually confessed to investigators via a, another prison inmate. Oh, so he would, he told the investigators, I have a confession to make, but I'm not going to confess it to you. I'm going to confess it to this, my friend. Oh God. That guy was like, I don't want, I don't He's want like, to. He's like, no, no. Please don't, Please don't tell know. me your thing. I don't want to know. I don't want to. Please stop. <laughs> and then that, that inmate would then relay the information and then the cops would ask the inmate questions and he would go back and ask this Danner guy. And then it was just a, it was a freaking circus. That is a circus. I they hope that inmate got some, Yeah. I, I don't know. Inmate. Cause I don't know what the inmate was in for. I don't know why he sought him out. I, I, I just, I would have to really look inside myself and try to figure out why this guy seek me out. Yeah. Like what, what is it that I'm going to have to change my ways now because spirits. I got some sort of serial killer whisperer vibe going at them. Cannot have that. (laughs) Cannot have a serial killer whisperer vibe. Yeah. I don't know what I did to deserve that. So he confesses and he actually gets tried and sentenced to death. Okay. Okay. But before he dies, he's got more to say. They always do. Uh, he confessed to three more murders in Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh, Louisiana? Five plus three. Yeah. Five that's... plus three is what? Eight. Eight. But the, those three murders, I think, happened before, before he, he was in jail, jail the first time. So they didn't count towards his eight. He was really mm-hmm. trying to rack up in Gainesville an eight. I'm body sure. Count. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he needed some money and some fried chicken. <laughs> and <laughs> to have to take a little bit of a break. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, he needed protein and what better protein than fraud. Anyway, he also confessed to trying to kill his abusive father at one time in his life. Here's the crazy thing. So he confesses, right? Wait, we haven't heard the crazy thing. No, <laughs> sorry. Here's There's an crazy additional thing. crazy thing. <laughs> he, his appeals were the most bogus appeals I've ever heard of. Like he would just create some kind of dramatic scene that wasn't even true. And then, submit an appeal on it and then waste the court's time with investigating it and having to read the evidence. And then they would have to meet and say, I mean, he just wasted so many resources doing that. I I, I don't like it. 
obviously he lost all of the appeals. And on October 25th, 2006, he was treated to a little injection of lethalness. Nice. He had no last words. He just quietly sang to himself. Oh, he God. sang, sang hymns. hymns to himself. He sang <laughs> hymns to himself, but he used to sing hymns a lot to himself in jail. I will tell you something that I, that I found interesting just because I'm obviously obsessed with food <laughs> and there will be no judging. Wait, I got to find it. Everybody calm down. Oh, son of a biscuit. His last meal. Yes, stop it. I got it. <laughs> I know it too. <laughs> okay, y'all tell me his last chicken. meal. How fried would it be if it was Win Dixie fried chicken? Oh, well, you know what? He upped the ante on this. Mm-hmm. Tell us what it was, Josh. Well, this is what I have lobster with drawn butter, mm-hmm. butterfly shrimp with cocktail sauce, a baked potato with the ratio was clearly off, yeah. with sour <laughs> cream and butter. Strawberry cheesecake and sweet tea. Yes. And if you needed any other proof that this <laughs> was a psychopath, I don't think yeah. you can say that on their podcast. Yes, he he just psychopath. say sorry, Mama. That's can, not. He was a psychopath. <laughs> no, that's psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong word. You can say anything you want to, Josh. Oh God. It's it, it, that this guy can sit down. He's about to be killed, mm-hmm. and he can eat all of this. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered that about. I can't meals. even. I, I can't even. My football f- uh, team is behind by seven. I can't eat. Right? So, <laughs> <laughs> Since then, Florida actually has a rule where you you have a $40 budget now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you have to go within a one hour, one hour of the jail to get the food. It cannot be flown in from places and all that kind of stuff because it used to be ridiculous. Well, wow. that, that would be an interesting game to to like find out the, the establishments and then what would $40 buy at each one? Like what would $40 oh. buy at McDonald's as opposed to like, you know, Cracker Barrel? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you want to really put your $40 to work, go Taco Bell. <laughs> like that's four <laughs> infinity Taco Bells right there. Pretty much. So that's more than you could ever in a mat. Like yeah. that's so much Taco Bell. I don't know that I would enjoy that, but. So. All right. What a great story. <sighs> that's <laughs> please let your husband know you'll be sleeping here tonight i don't have a problem with that he'd probably be like thank, thank you. god <laughs> so the thing and i will say this and i don't i don't at all want to take anything away from the victims and i'm not at all but i, I we were having this conversation earlier with somebody that we interviewed for our podcast it, he has a podcast where he delves into just people in history who make really bad what's it called Idiots uh, of history. Something like that, yeah. And he was talking about how everyone, with the exception of one, had really awful things happen to them in their childhood. And Danny Rowling was severely abused by his father. Now, oh, I won't, I'm not at all justifying anything. What I'm doing is putting forward that um, preventative care in early childhood is a necessity. And yes. this is something that we can really protect children and people that could be future victims if we were to put our money towards supporting early educators and families and yeah, and how about uh, let's just stop abusing our kids yeah we're not going to do that anymore. the problem is is if you were abused and you don't know any better and it's what's been done in your family generation after generation after generation mm-hmm. and you don't have the resources you know to get out of the situation I that agree. you're if in something seemed normal i don't think 
cutting off a woman's head and nipples probably never happened in his family. No, no, no. Right. He takes it like I get the abuse and it messes up your brain. But the but he took it so far. Like, no, it's not. He's not. No, it's the mental and physical abuse that he was inflicted on him that caused him to become mentally unstable. Okay, I buy that. It, It takes you down a path. I'm not saying that it was right or wrong or whatever, but I'm just saying there are cases where people grow up in these families, you know, in the backwoods of wherever, and they don't know any different and the parents don't know anything different, but there, there needs to be a system in place where people are checked on. I completely agree. Even if you live in the backwoods of wherever, you still as citizen occasionally just need to be checked on. I, I agree. And I, and I think we need a lot more mental health type screening throughout school, starting in kindergarten, absolutely. throughout mm-hmm. school, starting earlier, starting yeah. in yeah. school, starting in supporting, yeah. supporting families yeah. when they bring babies home. And I agree yeah. with, I mean, I agree with both of your points. Like there needs, there need to be checks and balances. There needs to be family education. There's be all this, but also my, I mean, my mom grew up in a very poor, very uneducated, very, um, I would say somewhat abusive um, environment, but also knew she was going to stop that. Sure. Like so there, there is the, you, I mean, it, but everybody, like you have a different um, resilience factor, right? Mm-hmm. There's one super interesting thing about Danny Rowling's victims. And I don't know if you came across his victim profile, but with the exception of Manny Tabota, because he was just happened to be there, yeah. his victims were petite white brunettes who yeah. matched the description of his mother. Yes, I did know that. I did. So So I, when I came here, um, so he was, these murders happened in 90. It took almost four years to convict him. I came here in 94 and he had just been convicted. And I had, I worked at the Y in after school and I had a group of (laughs) 20 fifth grade girls. That in a total different kind of. That's like, that's like going into a, a tribe that's been lost in the jungle. It was Lord of like the sticking your toe like, in a yeah. whole fish tank full of piranhas. It was, <laughs> it was a lot. Scary stuff. I'll Bless need some heart. extra therapy for that. There was a lot. Yes. Yes. One of the girls, her dad was one of the officers who, when they had arrested the original guy, was mm-hmm. one of the ones that kept saying, I don't think we have this right. And like yeah. part of the um, getting Danny rolling. Then I worked, another girl that I worked with, was at Santa Fe Co- Community College, which some of the victims were at. Now yes. it's a college. She was in a criminal justice class, I think. And one of their assignments was to go to the sentencing. Oh, and wow. So she had gone to the sentencing, but she fit the victim type. And she said he made eye contact with her while oh, she was creepy. sitting there and just kept looking at her and how like oh, unsettling no. and all of this was. So it's... Ew. I mean, it was. I mean, it, couldn't she have done like something to tell him to stop? <laughs> I see that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, the man is there man nothing was, she could right. like. I'd have been like, oh hi, please. Yeah. <laughs> so it's you know, it's um, it's something that definitely has left its mark on our town. Absolutely. It's something that, but it, but interestingly too, it's left its mark in pop culture because. Yep. Kevin Williamson, who wrote the screenplay for Scream, took the um, 
inspiration because of the mutilation and the knife and the four um, scream came from this case. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Or maybe I did. Very sad. That's very sad. Yeah. Um, so I do really, I do really appreciate and respect the, um, the legacy and the honoring that our town does for the victims. I'm very impressed oh, with that yeah, because we have seen time and time again, that, that murder is not just a moment in time. Mm-hmm. It has a ripple effect through generations of families of victims and perpetrators. And it mm-hmm. also has a horrible, um, it's almost like a, a dark cloud that hangs over a town that has been through something like that. And it doesn't necessarily go away. So by them honoring those victims, I think it's just, I, I have so much respect for the town that continues to do that 30 years later. And they're still doing that. And I hope they do it until the end of time. I really do. Cause those victims absolutely deserve to be honored in whatever way they can. All right. Yes, well, this has been so great. I mean, fun. Is it fun? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with fun. I'm just gonna put it out there. It's I'm going well, with fun. It was interesting because Josh and I were talking about. He's like, I don't know how to be funny about murder. I'm like, it's not the murder you're funny about. It's the stuff that happens around it. It's the chicken. <laughs> right. it's the, too much in my mouth. Sorry, Mama. I'm apologizing, Mama. Yeah. Amanda is a good girl, Mama. So this has been great fun. I hope that you all will come back on and do more murders. Well, let's talk about some social media stuff before we let them go. How can people oh, find them? Loose yet. <laughs> well, I'm just down there on the floor. I'm just so, trying to help. So he, yes, yeah, she can't read the script from down there. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what the heck's going on. There have been so many things the two of you have said tonight that I keep thinking that would make a great bumper sticker. <laughs> Maybe we're in the wrong business. Maybe <laughs> I am the right ratio of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Right ratio chicken. Well, guys, we absolutely thank you from the bottom of our hearts for coming on here and hanging out with us tonight. And we would highly, highly encourage you to please stay sweet and don't murder. If you kill people, we will talk about you. Indeed, we will. So just don't forget that. I mean, I just try to kill people with my baked goods. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you didn't. And they succeed. talked about you. And they did talk we about, did about, about you. you. Yeah. But if you had succeeded, there would have been a whole episode dedicated to you. <laughs> <laughs> and not in a good way. No. We would not be flattering. We'd be like, that girl's ratios were bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> just search for super familiar with, oh, look, there's oh Anne. Oh, my God. Kind of emerges. Yeah, she's, got, she's got all stiff legs and things. Oh, God. And thing. Um, we are on most of the social medias, although we're most active on uh, Twitter. Um, it's familiar Wilson's on Twitter and on um, TikTok. We're trying to get TikTok famous, um, but yeah. we're really, really bad at it. Yeah. So, but look, look for us on uh, familiarwilsons.tiktok.com or whatever, however it goes, <laughs> and find us on that as well. Okay, that's Fantastic. great. Well, thanks, y'all. And everybody tune into their podcast. It's super fun. Let's just say it is like a variety talk show with some <laughs> quizzes. There's a lot of quizzes. There are a lot of dinosaur mixed with It's a dinosaur. Milton Girl. Milton Girl. And who was the lady with the lamb sock? Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Lamb chop. Lamb chop. But she had a name, too. Well, I should. I know, but I don't know what dinosaur. I don't know. <laughs>
That was real. Yeah, right there. Kathy Lee, Donna Shore, and what's that old show? Hollywood Squares. Combined, right? Hollywood Squares combined with Match Game. Oh, yeah. One of my favorites. And Milton Berle. We really, I would describe us, we just do a whole bunch of different things. We're kind of like the Sanford and Son of podcasts. (laughs) It's not, um, what was that one? The... It was rerun was on it. What was his name? Oh, what's after? happening? Yes, what's yeah. happening? Love that. That used to come on after Sanford and Son. Oh, I used yeah. to love that one. Love that show. Hey, 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 Raj. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> All right. Well, bye, bye, bye. This has been Sugar Coated Murder Podcast, a deliciously entertaining true crime podcast. Like what you heard? You can always explore past episodes by visiting sugarcoatedpod.com. Don't forget to like our Facebook fan page and share with friends. Thanks for listening to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.